0: A horizon is a beautiful picture from our Creator. It's also symbolic of hopes, dreams, and a future. But to see a horizon, we must lift our eyes and look up, out, and beyond ourselves. This past two years of COVID has had a devastating effect on individuals, families, churches, and our country. As believers at Grace Point, we must refocus our attention. We must recast our vision and lift our eyes to see the horizon that God has presented us. In scripture, it says in Psalms, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And Jesus said in Luke, lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So what is our recast vision for the influence of our church for the next five years? I believe God is calling us to reach and disciple 2,000 people within the next five years. As we look forward with anticipation of Christ's return, we must continue working while we're waiting, working to advance His kingdom. And that requires us at Grace Point Church to lift up our eyes and look up, out, and beyond ourselves to the horizon that God has before us. I'm excited for what God has on the horizon for Grace Point Church. All right, well, good morning, Grace Point. So glad that you are here. Aren't you glad you're here not in the hospital? It's all by perspective. Uh, if, you're, if you're new with us today, this is a special Sunday. This is a unique Sunday, and, and you have a chance to celebrate with us and just observe our church really going into action with faith and trust, faith and trust. Because on, on January 9th, we, we started this Horizon Initiative. It's really for the next five years, that vision we just, just saw in the video of, okay, God, use Grace Point Church in this county uh, to reach and disciple 2,000 uh, people uh, for Jesus, but then in that five years is a two-year initiative. Now, yeah, today, yes, we're going to talk about finances. I talked about uh, tithing uh, last week, and and what the Bible says about that. And today's more of the offering base. Um, but let, let, before we dive into, you know, we're going to make commitments that this is your church. We're praying that 100% uh, engagement. What God has called you, I've, I've challenged you to go through this, this entire booklet. And read it and pray over it. If you're on our online family, to go on our website and find the horizon button. It's all there. And and today is kind of like our step of of faith and trust on the financial part. But let let me just share my heart a little bit. I was a history major when God changed my major to youth ministries. And God pointed me in the direction of being a youth pastor. And I remember calling my dad on a thing called, you got to Google it later, called a payphone. A pay phone. And, and so I called him from Virginia to San Jose, California, and I said, hey, dad, I, I really believe that God is moving me, is shifting me uh, to go in the direction of becoming a youth pastor. Silence on the phone. And he said this, is there anything else you want to do? Because if you're not called to this, you will not make it. And God called me. And so I've given my, I have gave my life for 20 years as a youth pastor. Loved every bit of it. And the last 16 and a half years, I've given my life to being your lead pastor. Let me just assure you of this. I have not given my life to raise money for a building. I'm grateful for this building that took place a number of years ago. It's it's a tool to do the main thing. It's how people meet, know, and follow Jesus. I have not given my my life to raising money to remodel our older building that is in desperate need of remodeling. That's not what I've given my life about. But when I think about that whole floor in there becoming a brand new, updated uh, children's ministry wing, That excites me because the boys and girls are going to hear about Jesus Christ. That's what fires me up. And then when I think about downstairs, really reclaiming it back to student ministries and bringing back the gym and then all the breakout rooms, what excites me is already praying for hundreds of teenagers to meet Jesus for the first time. In those environments. Now, TJ and I had a conversation this week. He may have told you guys. I said, I said, my motto when I was youth pastor here in the 90s is, we're taking over. And I said, well, you know, let's, let's, let's have some more of our students in our services. And I, and I love that. But I, I, I want God to do great things because what I have given my life to is seeing God change lives. And last week I had two stories. I won't tell you the stories for confidence or reasons. But two stories of life change. When I heard what God did in a marriage, a marriage was doing this, and God brought it together, and now it's just beautiful, and both husband and wife are glowing, brought me to tears. When I heard on the phone a story of life change, that God brought someone to, to Grace Point and completely brought them back to Jesus, because I pray for this all the time. God, bring people to Grace Point that need Jesus, Bring people to grace point; that need to come back to Jesus, and then bring people to grace point that love Jesus and are walking with him and believe in what we're trying to do. That's what I give in my life to. Now, it takes funds to do ministry, and if you've been around here at all time, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to shy away from teaching God's truth and boldly and proclaim it loudly. I'm not going to shy about money. <laughs> I, uh, and, and next week, we start a new series from Proverbs called Stupid Should Hurt. All right, make sure you're back for that, because we've all been stupid, and we know that hurts, and we're trying to help people not be stupid as much, and and, and all sort of that. We'll have, we'll have a thing on there, and you'll see PG-13 signs on a, on a few weeks from now. I'm not afraid to talk about certain things, because I want people to understand what God's Word says, so that they can live a life abundantly, and not just you know, no, no power there at all. So yes, we're going to talk about commitment. If this is your church, we've been praying that you would be engaged with this, that it's, that it's an us thing, not a berry thing. Because if it's a berry thing, um, we won't have enough money to build an outhouse, okay? Um, and that's going to be the extent of it. But it's, it should be an us thing. So in, spe- in, in preparation for uh, unpacking today about commitment, I'm I'm drawn to a passage in First Chronicles. You have a copy of God's Word. Turn to First Chronicles. It's in the Old Testament, First Chronicles 29. Uh, you, you see, uh, First Kings, Second Kings about all the kings of Israel, and then First Second Chronicles goes back into the stories of of the kings and chronicles their life, their leadership, their failures, their successes. And in chapter 28, King David, the most popular. King of Israel is like i 'm tired of God being worshiped in a tent tabernacle I want to build him a temple God God we we need to upgrade all right I mean you're holy and you're awesome and, and powerful but i 'm tired of you being worshiped in a tent let 's put you in the temple and God goes uh, no David you 're not going to build me a temple because you 're a warrior and you have shed blood but I will I have selected your son Solomon to be the one to build this temple. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk through uh, this passage in light of uh, with this whole thing about money and possessions and who it belongs to and what, what should be our response. Before we, we walk through some verses, for my note-taking family, my, my people out there, I'm going to mess with you a little bit because that's part of my job description. It's not a, it's not a central point. Today's a central Central question: Here's the question: Are you willing to fill your hand to the Lord? Now, if that makes no sense to you, great, because I'm going to explain it in the passage. Are you willing? Now, are you willing to, uh, you know, fill your hand to the Lord? Let's begin in verse one. It says then King David said to the whole assembly. There's massive people uh, for this dedication. Up to the temple. He said, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. We'll stop right there. We're not building a palatial st- uh, structure. We're not going to bling it out with gold and silver and bronze. Maybe some iron, but other than that, it's, it's not going to be a palatial structure. It is going to be a, a purpose filled, remodel, and some new things on the inside and outside, but it's not going to be palatial. And and the the point of this verse is is the last part of this verse, the heart of what we're trying to do here on the financial part of uh, Horizon Initiative is the last part of verse one. It says, this building or this remodel is not for man, but for the Lord God. It is only the Lord God that can change the heart. It is only the Lord God that can put bring someone from spiritual darkness to spiritual light. There's only the the power of the Lord God and the Lord God Almighty is to reconcile broken relationships, broken marriages where it looks where it looks like on the surface and it is without God's help, it, it's impossible. But God can do the impossible. And, and so the people, the children, the teenagers, the adults, the couples that go through our facilities, uh, we, we want to definitely um, upgrade the environments. Environments mean a lot. Now, when I go visit, you know, in, in India, and you find a village church, they don't need any of the stuff that, we, that we, we use and need in this country. It's like, there's a tree, we'll do church by that tree. That's it. But in our culture, <laughs> which is it's the culture that, that we are called to, yeah, things cost money. But what's the purpose? And I'm trying to share my heart. And the purpose behind it. Is, yes, there are environments for, for children to want to be there so that they can hear Jesus. Uh, 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 you know, an environment for students that is conducive to, like, man, come on, come with me uh, to youth groups. So that, and the purpose is so they can meet and know follow Jesus. And adults and training and, and smaller groups and, and seminars and all that. Verse 2. We'll read, read a few verses. Um, verse 2, David said this, with all my resources, and he's talking about resources as a king based upon his title and his position, with all my resources I have provided for the temple of my God, gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onks for the settings, turquoise, he wants it nice, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stones and marble, all of these things in large quantities. He's he's pulling resources that he can as the commander-in-chief, as the king. But verse three, besides or in in addition of in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God, over and above everything, I have provided for this holy temple. And he, and he listed 3,000 talents of gold, not just any gold, gold of, of fear. And 7,000 talents of not just silver, but refined silver. For the overlaying of the walls of the building, for the gold work and the, and the silver work, for all the work to be done by the craftsmen, by the contractors, by the professional people. So he pulled from his resources as king, and then he, he declares to the mass crowd. Now let me get to tell you what I'm going to give over and above. Now I'm going to pull up three things to, to look as David gives us example. First of all, is that David gave above and beyond, and that's what's called an offering. We talked about the whole issue and the biblical basis for tithe and what that means, and give God first, and, and then be stewards of the rest, and God watch God bless. But a, an offering is a over and above a base. And I heard um, Louis Giglio on a podcast uh, this week, and he was talking about putting God first. And when it came to money and, and giving, he says, if you're not giving anything, you can't give an offering because you've got to be over and above something. <laughs> you know. So you've got to start somewhere. So that's our challenge. But in this, he says, no, this is for God. I'm going over and above in this giving. And the second is that, second point I want to pull out from this text is that David was, he gave joyfully, wholeheartedly, and generously. He didn't hold back. He didn't hold back. Now, we don't understand talents with finances. You know, we think of physical talents, you know, mental talents, which I don't have much, um, athletic talent. But talents based upon, like, that the money, you know, s- structure of their culture. Did some research, and I put it into... American uh, ways of measuring gold and silver. We we do it by the ounce, right? So two weeks ago when I put this message together, I went online and did the math of what David gave from his personal treasury, his personal storage to the Lord and put it in today's dollars. He says he gave 7,000 talents of silver. That is the equivalent of 8.4 million ounces of silver. With a total value, today's dollars, $198 million. He was like, God, here you go. Gold, 3,000 talents, that's 3.6 million ounces of gold. That is equivalent to $6.67 billion. God, I'm going to give it to you. I don't want you to live in a tent anymore. You need an upgrade. I want a temple. I can't build it. My son is, but I'm given. And he just declared that to all the people. Now, I am very appreciative and grateful of the salary that Grace Point provides for my family. But I'm not in David's category, okay? You go to my house, it's like gold-plated everything and blinged out. Sorry, sorry. Um, the only gold in my house, should I go there, is my 49er helmet. All right, it has gold, all right? All right? I'm just telling you. But Candy and I, for the last three years, have given joyfully, wholeheartedly, and faithfully to what we used to call reach. In, in my reach people there, we should get t-shirts, right? Because it used to be reach, now it's called Horizon. But we've been giving for three years, every month, every month. Primarily, it was going to be a nursery on the other side of that wall because we wanted little babies on the same floor close to the parents. We hired professionals who are professional, and they said that would be a lot of wasted money, but we could fit almost the same square footage in the children's ministry wing on the same floor right across the lobby. But, so we've been giving consistently and faithfully and joyfully uh, for three years to that. But now Kenny and I are prepared to give generously to Horizon for the next two years. Now our numbers between us and God, but why do I say that? Is I can't ask you to do things that I'm not doing. And we had to look at our budget. Okay, God, what do we need to reduce? What do we need to sacrifice? What needs to be moved? And then we said, we're not going to give what we can afford. We're going to give by faith. This whole journey is going to be a step of faith. And so we're like, okay, God. And we wrote our number down. After we prayed and we felt God saying, this is what I want you to do. Another point I want to show from this passage is that David gave to a building that he knew he would never set foot in. David gave to a building he knew he'd never set foot in. He was an old man. He was going to die before, and he did, before the temple was completed. But that, wasn't, that didn't matter to him. He wasn't giving for what he could get out of it. Like, I can't wait for me to, you know, to go and worship God in that temple. That wasn't on his radar. He had a God's kingdom mindset, not a personal, what I'm going to benefit from it. So he gave joyfully, wholeheartedly, and generously to a building he would never set foot in. Because his perspective was right. He was giving it to the Lord for the Lord's glory. Now, when we were, we left here um, in, in 2000, and as the youth pastor went down to Southern California, God led us there to a, a larger ministry. And when we were there, in the midst of our time there, there became a, a large capital campaign. It was like $10, $15 million. It, was, it had a big number to it. And we have three little girls and, you know, a youth pastor salary. And, uh, you know, okay, God, what what do you want for us to do? And as we're getting ready to make a commitment, I had a conversation with my wife, Candy, and I said, I just, there's something in my spirit that makes me believe we're not going to be here for a long time. We're not ever going to be here for when this is done. But we chose because in our prayers, God said, I want you to still commit, and we we pledged money and we're faithful to it. Why? It's not because I worked there, not because I was a high school pastor there. It's because God called us to give, and we knew we were going to give to people coming behind us. I had no idea. I had no idea in 2003 that in 2005 this church would call me to come back in the lead pastor position. It wasn't on my radar. And so we gave, why? Not because I was a high school pastor there. It's because God called us to do that. But also it was like, our family was blessed by that ministry. Our children were taught Jesus in that ministry. Our middle daughter during that period of time accepted Jesus as her Savior uh, during that time. And, and, and all the teachers and Sunday school leaders, And my oldest was getting ready to go into junior high. And, and we, were, we were blessed by the call of God to that church. Not as an, an occupation, but as a place God wants us to worship. So I, I say all that because we live in a military transient culture. It's crazy around here. Uh, people come in and go. And I want to challenge you, and I've done this pretty much all my teaching, but when it comes to financing, even last week, for those of you who are military that you know that you're not going to be stationed here for you know, a long period of time... Don't have a station mindset, have a kingdom mindset. That God has called you here, he's used the, you know, the, the military to do that, but how is God blessing, how is God providing, how is God using your home church? And so you can pray for really consider that, knowing, yeah, we're going to get, you know, we already got our orders, we're going to be transferred out. I'm not telling you what to do, I'm just saying, I'm going to challenge you that these truths are transferable wherever you are stationed, where God has called you have open hands saying, God, you have called us here. You know, I'm not, not going to have a mindset. Well, I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to give because I'm only going to be here this period of time. No, no, no. Have a kingdom mindset. And David had a kingdom mindset he gave to a building he knew he would never set foot in. And then verse 5, the last part of verse 5, David shares everything to all the people. And then he asks the audience, the, asks the assembly a question. He says this, now. Who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? He's just modeled it. Now he turns and asks his leaders, his commanders, his soldiers, his servants in the the palace. You know, the people that, you know, worked in Jerusalem. He worked around, you know, his palace. He, He talked to all the host of people and he says, now, who is willing, who is willing to fill his hand? To the Lord. That's consecrated. That's really what it means. This is in the Hebrew word picture, in English words. Now, who is willing to fill his hand to the Lord? David just modeled it. Okay, here's all the resources because I'm king. I can just sign off on that. I'm commander in chief. There's no two-thirds vote and vetoes. He just did it. But then with his personal resources that he received from gifts, from dignitaries, foreign leaders came through, and I want to kiss up to this reigning king that had a lot of authority in that area, you know, all the gold and silver and all that sort of stuff. From his resources, he filled his hand and he he gave it to the Lord. That's the picture of consecrate. Now he's telling the people, now who is willing to do that too? See, when we, let's be honest, if you've ever prayed before, a lot of our prayers, we come with empty hands saying, hey, God, can you fill my hands? <laughs> can you fill my bucket? Can you fill this prayer request? Can, I, I need this. I, 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 not, I can't afford this. So can you help here? Can you help here? And that is fine. But make sure that that's not the only thing you do. You know, like if my daughter's the only time they came to me, you know, kissing up, dad, how are you? I'm, not, I'm reaching for my wallet for one, Okay. <laughs> You know, I'm thinking, how much you want? But if that's all they did, well, that's immature and selfish and kind of a brat thing to do. But we're, we're to give God our worship, our praise, our thanks, our gratefulness, our serving. So there are times when we can say to our Heavenly Father, hey, God, I need this. Can you provide for this? I pray very specific. I pray very specific. I shared last service that there came a time that one of my vehicles needed repair. So I sent it over to my friend Ken and, and, in town here, and I get the bill that I did not have in my budget. It was like $234. It's not a big thing, but when you don't have $234, uh, that's, that's a big thing. So I'm like, hey, God, your Tahoe broke. <laughs> All possessions, you know, originate from God. Your Tahoe broke. I wasn't being stupid. Um, I need $234. I pray specific. A couple weeks later, I go to the bill and some random refund check came in. And guess how much it was? 234. I'm like, thanks, God. Thanks, God. So you can do that. I, 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 we pray specific at our house. I pray specific what kind of guy I want my daughters to be attracted to. I'm two for two, working on the third one. I'm, I'm praying, so don't never don't ever ask, but if that's all you do, you got a problem. So when it comes to salvation, we cannot receive God's salvation and eternity and heaven and all that, unless we come with empty hands. There, there's no negotiation with God that, hey, God, let's make a deal. Um, here, I'll, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you, when I was a kid, I went to Sunday school, how about that, huh, get any points for that, huh, 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 oh, I went to camp at a high school student, I get that. I'm a good person. Look at, look, at, look at what I got to give to you, God. You know, I, I, I'm this, I'm that. In Isaiah, the Bible says to the holy, righteous God, even the best things we could ever do, God says, that, that's like filthy rags. It's like, st- keep it. We have to come to God with empty hands saying, I'm a sinner. I deserve God's punishment. I'm an idiot. And I, I need forgiveness. And I can't get there myself and by faith, I place my faith in Jesus, who went on the cross to die for my sins, rose again to prove it, and, and, and that, He's my only hope. And when we come to God empty-handed, for salvation, not, not of works, because we will boast about it. we're human. We come empty-handed. By faith, God fills it. He overflows us with God's love, mercy, grace, forgiveness. And let me give you the Holy Spirit to help you walk with Jesus. Let me me throw heaven in. I mean, we're just overwhelmed and overflowing with God's blessing. That's salvation. In fact, Paul, uh, the apostle in chapter 12 of Romans, says this to believers. He says, so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Because of all he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. goes on to say, this is like worship. This is the best kind of worship. Now, I'm super grateful we don't have the Old Testament animal sacrifice. I would resign as your pastor. Okay? We don't do that. But the Jewish audience knew that. No, no, we don't do animal sacrifices for the atonement. Jesus, as, as, as Nash read that passage from Hebrews, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, and he died once. He only needed to die once. If you're ever part of a, of a religious ceremony that talks about Jesus, when you take this, it's Jesus dying all over again. No, no, no that's a violation of Hebrews. The, 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 the sacrifice that Jesus gave was sufficient, eternally sufficient. So he gave us life. And, he's, and, and, and Paul is saying, what we should do for all that he's done, we should be that sacrifice. Meaning, all that we have, God, I'm yours. All that I have, all that I am, all the talents you already gave me, I'm gonna worship you by just being this holy, living sacrifice. I'm all yours. And that's placing Jesus really as Lord of your life. He has full, excuse me, full reign to do whatever he wants. So David here, he modeled it, then asked a question. He modeled it by saying, I'm going to fill my hands with what God has already given me. I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to give it to him. So he asked the question, now who is willing to do it? The people responded, starting with his leaders. Look over at verse 9, 29 verse 9. David is just so pleased of how the people respond. Verse 9, he said, the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. He's like, look at the people. The leaders started first, and then the people followed. That's, a, that's, that's awesome. Last Sunday night, we had an advanced commitment night that we had this room, a little worship service, prayer service, and we had church leaders, church staff, uh, other people who were ready to commit. We even had new families to Grace Point. They are like, we're in, we're in. And so the people responded by those early commitments. Now look at verse 14. David's praying. He's actually praising God. He says this in verse 14. David says, well, who am I? But who am I? And who am my people, that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Right there, that verse right there is the proper biblical perspective on money and possession. It all came from God in the first place. It all belongs to God. David was like, well, who am I, who are my people that we get to be generous and basically give you back what belongs to you? It's the right focus. And then the right heart attitude, a little bit later in verse 17, David says this I know my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. He's like, God, you know my heart you know the intent of my heart, the motivation of my heart. I wasn't giving to you so others could see me and go, wow, when David's loaded, but look what he get. He said, like, God, you know my heart. And that's, God knows all of our hearts and why we would give. But the right heart attitude was how they willingly gave. That's why in verse five, he asked the question now, who is willing, Right? To fill his hand to the Lord. If you call Grace Point your home church, this is where God has placed you. I don't care if you're getting minimum wage or babysitting allowance or a salary or or the US Navy is paying you or the military is paying you. If you're not willing to give to God, keep it. Don't ruin our offering. But it's a hard attitude. It's not an amount attitude. In fact, in, in 2 Corinthians, New Testament, for an offering situation and context, Paul said this, for if the willingness is there, that's the heart attitude, that willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. That's why what the number is between you and God Yes, we have a small finance team that will know, so at least we know what numbers are, but God wants to know what's going on in your heart. Don't look around like, well, I'm only an E1, or I, I, I only make minimum wage. It doesn't matter what you don't have. God is saying, look at what I've already given you. Are you willing to fill your hand and give it back to me? Now, yeah, I want you to be good stewards with the rest. Don't be going around blowing it and stupid things. We talked about last week, God is just waiting for us, waiting for us to follow him in obedience so he can bless us. So where's your heart? That, that's why we told you all this month, go through this and pray. God, what do you want? God, what do you want? Now on your chair is, is a commitment card. This is for those who call Grace Point in your home church. Um and we've we've already Pastor Kevin made a video, walked you through it. I'm gonna do it briefly. Uh those of you online are online family, people at home sick and people around the country, are like man, Grace Point's my home. God is using it to bless me, and my family. There's some links. I'll talk about those in just a second. I wanted to give you a little little advanced heads up on that. But but on the card there's two parts of a commitment to, to God we talked about how we want this 100% engagement. And so if you're here and you're not faithfully giving, this is your church and God has said, no, it's about time you kind of join the family and actually start contributing financially. Whenever you get paid, you can check that, and put your name down, like, okay, I wanna start, okay? There's the basis, the foundation of my giving. And I wanna become a faithful giver. I'm gonna give first when I get paid. The second part is the offering. What my wife and I did is we went went through our two budgets per pay period, and we made the adjustments and and put a number that's going to be every month. Friday we set up reoccurring, so it's just automatically giving it to the Lord. And then we times it by 24, because this is a two-year commitment, and we put that number down. And then here is other resources, savings, you know, um, reserves, things we're going to sell, things we're going to just really consecrate to the Lord, put, put a hand and give it to the Lord. We also have faith numbers in here like, okay God we'll give it if you provide and we're stepping out in faith because we didn't want to put a number down that we could afford. It's like, no, no God, that's not faith. So we're stepping out. Then you total it up for two years and put it here. That's That number has to be between you and God. I have no intent to try to manipulate or emotionally do whatever. I, I'm like, hear God and obey God. Do that. Again, if you're online, whether you're from Virginia or South Carolina or California or Kitsap County, not able to be here, you got QR codes you can scan and the, or links that you could go to. It's all digital, safe, but it's pretty much the digital version of this, so you have plenty of time. And in this service, for those who are ready, um, we're going to sing a song called Turn Your Eyes. Turn, turn your eyes upon Jesus. That's what I thought about horizon. Look up, out, and beyond ourselves. Perfect. Let's turn our eyes. And if there's any time in our life with the craziness of our culture, with the uncertainty of our economy, with what about the future, with, with people getting sick and, and, and losing jobs and mandates, there's all kinds of fears. It's a perfect time to keep your eyes on Jesus. And I'll, t- I'll just be honest with you. I was going to finish with this. I've been, I've been battling fear and doubt all January. It's like, God, seriously? Look at this, look at this. And God was like, keep your eyes on me, Barry. Yeah, what about this? Because, goes, Barry, I'm going to remind you for the 10th time this month that when I challenged the nation of Israel to cross the Jordan River into the promised land, their fear had kept them not in the promised land. But by faith, they're going to step I, I want to remind you that I made them step out of faith during flood season. When as soon as they went in, it's it's, it's too much for them. My wife reminded me this morning of Gideon. Huge army. And God goes, no, nope. send most of them home. Here's 300. <laughs> and I want to thank you, honey. Because I, I can't, I don't, I can't and I don't want to do anything, God has to do this so if you're of Jesus, this is your church whatever he tells you to do, do it by faith so what we're going to do is I'm going to pray and then we'll sing a song but uh, I'm going to come down have a little prayer with candy and then when we put our card in for those of you who are ready with your cards um, then you, that's your cue then you can come um, to one of these four here and just really surrender fill your hand and give it to the Lord would you pray with me, God. The, the scriptural foundation for Horizon comes from Ephesians three, so I'm going to repeat that back to you as my prayer. Jesus, you are able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, according to your power that is at work within us. We got no power, and we it is according to it is for your glory. In Grace Point Church and into the next generation forever and ever. And that's our cry. That's my prayer. God, do what only you can do. Move in our hearts. Help us step out in faith. And God, we want to see so many people in Kitsap County meet, know, and follow Jesus. We want to be a light in this county. Use us for your glory, not for ours. So we surrender even our finances today for this end. And we'll let you do what you wanna do. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, we say, amen. Once my wife and I take care of ours, then it's your cue to uh, do your part as God leads. If, uh, if you just came to Grace Point today and you parked in the visitor parking, we're honored that you came. Thank you for joining our family meeting and hearing our heart and our passion and what we bleed about. We're, we're, we don't want to play church. There's no, there's no power just checking a box. We want to see God change lives. If you're our guest today, we would love for you to go to guest services. We have a gift just to say thank you. Um, but I'm going to have everyone stand. as we, I'm going to close, if, especially if uh, this is your church. Um, as most of you know, Kitsap County is the number one unchurched county in the state of Washington, number seven in the United States of America. And we're like, God, use us to make a difference here in Kitsap County. Yes. Let's change that number, God. Yes. So let's close. Prayer. By the way, if you're you're not ready, you're still praying about all this, that's fine. You can bring your card back next Sunday, drop it off at church, whatever. Just hear from God and obey Him. Just pray. God, I have my hands held up. I got nothing in it. Anything I have only comes from you. And Lord, I just say, I have no power um, to make any difference in Kitsap County, but I'm willing to be used. I'm willing to use my gifts that you've given me to point people to Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would use Grace Point Church in Kitsap County in ways we've never been used before for your glory, to advance your kingdom. Do what you will in this church. Because actually you're the lead pastor. I'm just the messenger for you. And Lord, I pray that you would do exceedingly abundantly what we're praying and asking you to do for your glory. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, we say, amen. 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 Hope to see you back next week, part one, Stupid Should Hurt. Have a great afternoon.